Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Bacon and Buck, Diaz, Bellart, and Jimenez, Gonzalez, and James. Lalota out of New York, Lawler out of New York, Victoria Sparts out of Indiana. Just some of the 20 members of Congress who voted against Jim Jordan for Speaker. They will do it again. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going down, everybody? Oh, yeah, we don't have a speaker yet. I don't know. Maybe we'll get one. Maybe not. Look, up is down, left is a banana. I don't know what's going to go on. These people can't figure it out. They can't figure it out. The phone number, 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. Not getting worked up over it. Some people voted for Scalise. Some people voted for McCarthy. I believe someone said Victoria Sparts voted for Thomas Massey from Kentucky. I like Thomas Massey. He's not going to be speaker. So this was a little bit of pomp and circumstance and a little bit of, of uh, you know, strutting the old peacock feather thing. I'll show you. I'm not just going to fall in line with Jordan, not until the second ballot. All right. You want to waste some time? Sure. Live your life. I don't get it. I don't think it provides any value. But sure. Go ahead. Waste some time. I don't know if Joe Biden's going to be wasting time when he heads to Israel. He leaves. He'll be there tomorrow. He'll meet with Benjamin Netanyahu regarding the attack from Hamas, this terrorist organization, just like ISIS, Hamisis, as I've been calling them, murdering 1,400 people. Israel has responded. You have over 2,000 people in Gaza who are dead. What do you expect when Hamas puts their weaponry right next to civilians. They don't care about people's lives. And the people screaming from the river to the sea also don't care about people's lives because those people are not pro-Palestine. That's nonsense. That's like people saying they were Black Lives Matter. They didn't give a damn. They just cared about the money. The people who are pro-Palestine are pro-Hamas. They only care about dead Jews. I'm not interested in playing the games, guys. I'm not. After that, Biden will head to Amman, Jordan, He'll meet with uh, King Abdullah. He'll meet, I believe, also with uh, Mahmoud Abad of the Palestinian Authority himself, a uh, terrorist. And uh, I don't know what they're going to talk about. The price of milk beats me. But I think it's interesting that the King of Jordan, along with, uh, he says, speaking for the Egyptians, has been very, very clear they have no plan of taking in refugees. Just a part of the question on the issues of refugees coming to Jordan, and I think I can quite strongly speak on behalf not only of um, 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 Jordan as a nation, but of uh, our friends in Egypt, that is a red line, uh, because I think that is the plan by certain of the usual suspects to try and create de facto issues on the ground. No refugees in Jordan, no refugees in Egypt. Well, very strong. Very strong from the king of Jordan. I cannot wait for the American left to uh, tell him what a racist he is, what a xenophobe he is. The answer is no. That's interesting because when you ask Nikki Haley, the answer is, well, we have to take in refugees from Gaza. 
What was your response when you heard what Governor DeSantis said? You know, I dealt with this every day for two years. And, you know, what I can tell you is you have to realize that whether we're talking about Gazans and Palestinians, um, you know, all of them don't. You've got half of them at the time that I was there didn't want to be under Hamas's rule. They didn't want to have terrorists overseeing them. They knew that they were living a terrible life because of Hamas. You had the other half that supported Hamas and wanted to be a part of that. We see that with Iran, too. The Iranian people don't want to be under that Iranian regime. They don't. We saw what happened to Masa Amini. We saw how they treat them. There are so many of these people who want to be free from this terrorist rule. They want to be free from all of that. And America's always been sympathetic to the fact that you can separate civilians from terrorists. And that's what we have to do. What was your response when you heard? How does one separate that? How does one separate the civilian from the terrorist? I don't have an answer to that question. But what a thing to say that um, we have to let these people in. Now, she started, did Nikki Haley, presidential candidate, former ambassador to the UN, and of course, former governor of South Carolina. She started, uh, though the question started from Jake Tapper over there at CNN regarding Ron DeSantis' position, the governor of Florida, his position Free. On, on refugees. Well, here's his position. My position is very clear. It's the first presidential candidate to say, no Gaza refugees, period. We're just not going to do it. And why? Because we don't want to import the pathologies from the Gaza Strip and other places in the Middle East to the United States of America. They are taught to hate Jews. They are taught that Israel has no right to exist. The textbooks that they use don't even have Israel on the map at all. And so this is just endemic to their culture. It's a really toxic culture that's developed. So there's no reason to be importing that into the United States. And the idea that we can kind of separate like a terrorist from some someone that may be a freedom lover, that just doesn't work. Uh, so, so we will not do that uh, when I'm president. Now, which position is the position you want to go with? I am in the Ron DeSantis camp because, no, I don't believe you can so easily distinguish in this case. If we want to really dig into some of the horror here, let's make sure we understand that these children, these children have been taught from birth that Israel is evil and that Jews are evil. They have been taught this from the day they were born and every day since. I ask you, why does anybody think that the day Hamas is gone, they're all going to say, oh, well, Jews are cool. Why would anybody believe that to be true? Why would anybody hate themselves or reality so much that they would believe that to be true? Of course, that is not true. You are talking about a generation, if not more, 
if not more, to work that out. A generation or more. Just so we understand. Why not make that happen? It is clear and obvious that life without Hamas means these people have a chance. There are some people who are definitely not uh, haters of, of Israel or haters of Jews. And there are definitely people who are. And you can then build a life right there. It doesn't have to be here. Whether or not the United States wants to be helpful is different than whether or not the United States should take people in. I would oppose the taking uh, uh, taking people in. I would absolutely oppose it because the idea doesn't work. This isn't some neutral party. This isn't some neutral thing. These are people who have been fed lies on lies on lies for decades. What makes you think you're just going to magically undo that? Only the fool thinks this. Only the fool believes this. That somehow, magically, everything will be okay. And in the case of of Nikki Haley, I've never thought her to be a fool. But man, do I think that is a very, very naive, naive look at the world. It's... It's childlike. And, I, and I'm surprised to see that from Haley. I think this is going to do tremendous damage to her. And her team, if I have it right, they've already been trying to, to walk that back. I think her team was trying to say uh, um, that, uh, you know, we, what, what, what we meant to say is... Um, the ambassador, quote, opposes the U.S. taking in Gazans, instead believes that Hamas-supporting countries like Iran, Qatar, and Turkey should take any refugees. You want Iran to take refugees? Dear Lord. That is, that is worse than the original statement. You cannot be all things to all people. So do not try to be. Do not try to be. If you take a look at Gaza and you take a look at the people who celebrated the death and the murder and the rape and the burning alive of 1,400 Jews, Israelis, tell me now how they could just be integrated into society and everything's fine. That's not, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But I do want to share with you how something should work. I know less than nothing about a Canadian politician by the name of Pierre Polyev. But dear Lord, I love how he answers a question. That's coming up. This is Tony Katz today. Hamas. Uh, are the new Nazis. Hamas is ISIS, in some instances, worse than ISIS. 
And just as the world united to defeat the Nazis, just as the world united to defeat ISIS, the world has to stand united behind Israel to defeat Hamas. This is a part of an axis of evil, uh, of Iran and Hezbollah and Hamas. Their goal, open goal, is to eradicate the state of Israel. The open goal of Hamas is to kill as many Jews as they could, and the only difference is they would have killed every last one of us, murdered every last one of us, if they could. They just don't have the capacity, but they murdered an extraordinary 1,300 civilians, which in American terms is like many, many, many 9-11s. So obviously we must take action to defeat Hamas and to ensure that this doesn't happen again. But this is not only our battle, it is our common battle, the battle of civilization against barbarism. Uh, and if it's not stopped here, this savagery will reach you very soon and reach the entire world. He's not wrong. Benjamin Netanyahu speaking there. He's not wrong. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. And while he is right that we're all better off without Hamas, Hamas uh, is, is ISIS, you've got people protesting at the White House trying to block entry out in and out of the White House, so much so that Secret Service had to throw people around. Their signs, Jews against genocide. I am also against genocide, but I am against me being genocided. I don't want other people genocided, but I don't want myself genocided. These people have given up their religion and given up their humanity for their ideology. They'll die. They'll let themselves be killed. They must think themselves guilty. I don't think myself guilty at all. In other cases, they were trying to jump the fence, try and get to the White House, and Secret Service was pushing these people back. Women and teenagers. (laughs) They can't believe anybody's actually fighting them. Not the Secret Service, these women. How dare you push me? I'm a woman. You can't touch me. Maybe you don't understand how little the Secret Service actually cares. Speaking of not caring, this is a masterclass. Pierre Polyev, he is the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada and the leader of the official opposition since 2022. And he is doing an interview. And this interview is taking place on a farm. I don't know what's going on. All I know is he's sitting there, he's got a a blazer on, and he's eating an apple. He is the most relaxed guy ever. And here's this reporter asking him questions. This is masterful in disarming the pseudo-intellectual who thinks they can get the gotcha going. Um, on the on the topic, I mean, in terms of your sort of strategy currently, you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, ap- appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels, I would guess. Um, I mean, what certainly, you mean certainly, you, certainly, you tap, certainly you tap certainly you tap very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? 
uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing, they, you know, I mean, it's that, that type of ideological spectrum. About, I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of people... I don't really believe in that. Okay. A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, book. Really like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but... Like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but... Well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. I, you must know somebody. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the, point of this, the point of this question is... What is the point of this question? This guy's just eating an apple. Basic questions. Who are you talking about? What do you mean? I don't understand. Why don't you explain it? Can't. The first rule is do not buy into the premise. The premise is, is nonsense. Say that it's nonsense. Force them to actually ask a question. Force them to admit that they don't know what they're saying or get to their point. Don't let them off the hook like, all right, I know where you're going with this. Let me, let me tell you. No, that's buying into the premise. These aren't journalists. These are fools. You think this is a journalist asking a question? This is a this is a yutz. And uh, Pierre uh, Polyev is doing a brilliant job here. I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the point of this the point of this question is, I mean, why should why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given? You know, not not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of Donald Trump's book, but what are you also, talking about? What page? What page? Can you give okay. me a page? Give me the page. You keep <laughs> in, saying in terms, that. in terms of ter- turning things quite dramatically in terms of of Trudeau and and the left wing and all of this. I mean, you 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 make quite a you know it's it's quite a play that you make on it. So I'm, I'm not just sure. I don't under, I don't know what your question okay. is. You'll note. That he asks the question, he gets shut down, so then he tries to rephrase it like it's a given. And here's Pierre, leader of the opposition in Canada, just punching him about the head and neck. Then forget that. Why should Canadians trust you with their vote? Now he gets to a question. He got thwarted so many times with his obnoxious appeal to pretending there's an issue with this guy that he just had to say, why should people vote for you? And uh, Pierre Polyev does a nice job with it. Common sense. Common sense for for a change. We're going to make common sense common in this country. We don't have any common sense in the current government. You know, the guy prints $600 billion, grows our money supply by 32%, in three years that's growing the money eight times faster than the economy no wonder we have the worst inflation in four decades i'm going to cap spending cut waste so that we can balance the budget and bring down inflation and interest rates you'll want to be able to pay your mortgage again you want to be able to afford rent then you have to vote for pierre polyev because i'm the only one with a common sense plan that will bring back the buying power of your paycheck yeah you'd vote for that guy too That is art and how he handled this garbage reporter. Art, kids. Very well done. Find everything I'm doing at TonyCats.com. Come join the party.
It's free. If you want to subscribe, I'd love to have you. This is Tony Katz today. Regardless of whether or not we have a speaker, regardless of war in the Middle East or war in Ukraine, regardless of the southern border, my goodness, regardless of Taylor and Travis, this economy still makes no sense. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. Retail sales up 0.7%. The estimate was 0.3%. If you exclude autos, sales are up 0.6. The forecast was 0.2. What does it mean? Well, what I think it means is that this economy isn't slowing down, but this economy isn't good. So does that mean interest rates go up? That's where I start to lose my mind. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And I, I, I reach out to you because this number says to me, that everything being done to try and cool the economy down isn't working. But if sales are up, that means that people are buying, and isn't that a good thing? Break it down for me. (laughs) Well, first of all, i got to tell you, I'm surprised that the economists out there, the classical economists, are surprised by this. This is completely predictable. i got to tell you, there's no surprise to me in this as a financial economist. Let me tell you why. First of all, this number is not adjusted for inflation. So you're looking at a number, and when you compare it to the inflation rate, we learned last week that inflation is hot. And so if inflation is hot, this number is going to be hot. So that's completely consistent. In fact, year over year, this number is 3.8%. Inflation is 3.7%. So I see nothing inconsistent with what this information is providing to us. So that's one. And and let let me jump into the second. We've talked about this before, you and I. People are still spending their savings. They're not out of pandemic-era savings yet. And that is what's happening. Over half of well, nearly half, 49% of families have less or no savings than they did last year. So we're still digging into our savings to keep up with inflation. So this should be no surprise to anyone. Let's go back to that first part. These numbers, 0.7 for the month, is not adjusted for inflation. Define what that means. That means that this is one of those reports where they just report the actual number. So it is with inflation built in. So if you have inflation, let's say at half a percent, and this number were at 0.4, this number lost ground. So this is one of those numbers that is not adjusted for inflation coming out of the Department of Commerce. So if... You had mentioned 3.8 and 3.7, which would mean sales aren't up overall? They're, they're adjusted for inflation year over year. This month, yes. But year over year, they're the same. What does that then tell you as a financial economist? That this is, not that, this is nothing to brag about. Yes, the consumer is spending money. That is true but they're barely keeping up with inflation and they're spending their savings. This is nothing to write home to grandma about. Don't get excited about it. People. So they're not spending money because they want to. They're spending money because they have to. And, but you brought exactly. up, but you brought up something else there. You're telling me that even now at the end of 2023, October of 2023, people are still going through COVID savings. Yes. 
We are not through it yet. The department, uh, I forget the government agency that released the information just earlier this month, said that we are not yet through all the government money that was handed out because people didn't have anything to buy. So they just stockpiled this cash and they've been spending their savings at a very alarming rate, so much so that one third of all Americans have more credit card debt than cash on hand. So they're spending their savings, they're putting on the credit card, not a rosy scenario. Is this why, talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, is this why when, when we were talking about the, the, the futures right before the market opened, I'll get to, to where the numbers are later, uh, when you look at the futures, they went down. They, they were, they were in, the, in, the, in the negatives when this information came out. The, the market looks at this and says, yeah, there's, there's, things are not, this is more proof that things are not great here? Yes, this is exactly what I started off our conversation by saying. The classical economists are saying one thing. We financial economists see it completely different. We know better. We know that people are spending savings. We know that this is not an inflation number, adjusted number. Not impressed, people. Not impressed. Uh, let me move you over to a more geopolitical front. You have the continued uh, action and, and war in Ukraine, where Russia continues to try and make advances, and Ukraine continues to hold the line. This is very much a trench warfare situation at this stage of the game. And then, of course, you have the terrorist attack on Israel by Hamas. You have the response by Israel to try and root out Hamas in, in Gaza. Uh, this This is now two fronts of let's call it world war, even though we don't mean it like that. I just don't have a better word for it right now, but, but go with me Two fronts that the world is paying close attention to. Is this a moment for the market to say, Oh, this is going to create issue. Cause this is going to create more spending. Cause this is going to create more inflation. Or is this one of those moments of war is great for the economy and could get us really uh, get, get us going in a good direction. Why is it possible that it can't be both? Because I believe actually both are likely to occur. I need you to get a little more uh, extemporaneous, if you will. <laughs> both. Well, yes, it, it's possible that the government will spend money because of the two wars and to, to, to restockpile us for the next war, maybe with uh, China in Taiwan. And so that is causing, that will cause inflation. The military industrial complex, hey, my dad's a retired military person. I'm a fan of the military. But the industrial complex wants the government spending. They want you to buy their weapons. And so that can juice the economy just like it did in World War II. So you can have a juiced economy and also have inflation. You can have a juiced economy where things are moving and also have inflation where things cost more, and this is rational? Oh, okay. It makes sense. It's possible, but it's illogical in this world that we live in because we don't want the government controlling the economy like that. That's not what we want. You and I have said this before, and I've said it many times. We don't want to look to Washington every day. We want the Wall Street Journal to simply report on what's happening in business I mean, how many people know J&J &J had an incredibly good earnings season? We don't know because the terrorists are attacking Israel. We don't know that there's earnings uh, hits 
on Goldman Sachs that was well above expectations because we're too busy looking at geopolitical uh, situations. This is a problem that we're looking in the wrong place for the economy. Well, I'm taking a look now at the 10-year Treasury note, that benchmark by which we set uh, the 30-year fixed mortgage. And the minute this information came out about the spending report, it popped uh, going yeah. uh, 4.8 uh, in, into the 4.8s. It didn't hit 4.85 Well, at the, at the first, but it immediately jumped into the 4.8s. And I got to assume that the 5% 10-year Treasury note is not far behind. Yes, yes. Tony, you and I have been talking about this. This is exactly what's happening. This is no surprise. The market is reacting like I'm reacting. They're, they're not talking to you because they're too busy trading. But we know that inflation is here. We saw it because it's in this unadjusted number, which tells us there's probably inflation driving it. We see the government's going to be spending a lot of money, so there's more anticipated inflation. And the 10-year Treasury reacted, and the market futures were down. This is totally consistent. Why these theoretical economists in the ivory tower are clueless? Well, because they're clueless. Now, you talk about uh, Johnson & Johnson having good earnings. LinkedIn, owned by Microsoft, just laid off 700 people. So, again, we get these re remarkably conflicting messages here. Uh, about about where we're at and, and where we're going. The idea that, oh, yeah, it's a war on two fronts. It's good and it's bad. Who knows? I mean, that is that is no way to run an economy, sir. Yes. And the government, I guess I can get away with saying this, and the government is screwing it up. They're the ones that are sticking their nose in the economy and messing it up. If it worked for them, things would probably be going very well. They get to cut their spending they need to get their regulation under control. We need to be energy independent. There's so many things the government can do to just get their nose out from underneath the tent. Let's talk energy independence real quick, because we have discussed the amount of energy oil leases and gas leases that this administration has cut on, under Joe Biden. It was a day one activity when he became president. But as we read the reporting we're in the middle of an oil boom. We're putting out more energy than ever before uh, in, in terms of what we already have. So which one is it? Okay, it, it, there's not a conflict there. You can have increased supply, which we do, because the economy is constantly growing. The population is constantly expanding. You must have increasing energy production because you have increased demand. It's not inconsistent to say we have more energy than we did three months ago or six months ago or two years ago. But if it weren't for the Biden policy, that number would be dramatically higher and we'd be producing more than we're using because that's the real equation, not how much we're producing. We're actually using a lot more than we produced. That wasn't the case three years ago. It seems to me that bourbon is in order. That's, that, <laughs> that, that's my take. There's no following this. There's no making sense. How in the world is somebody investing in this nonsense? That, that's a good question. And can you believe it? We're the last place in the world to invest because all the other places in the world, the government has already messed things up. And so investors run to the U.S. and now the U.S. is getting messed up. I talked about this in 2015 with the Greek situation. It's a contagion that will spread to the U.S. eventually if we don't stop it. We haven't stopped it. It's here. And we're the last stalwart. There's nowhere else to go. No one else to bail us out. 
Dr. Matt Will, he's a little ray of sunshine. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you being with us. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. As we reported, we had it right. The mass casualty event at the hospital in Gaza City was not due to a rocket from Israel, but rather a misfired rocket launched by Hamas. There was actually no IDF air activity. Excuse me. Oh, wow. Hold on. Oh, a piece of dust trying to stop me from from being entertaining. Not going to happen. No IDF air activity reported at the time. And it coincided with a series of rockets launched at Israel. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So when they try and spin this as, look what Israel did. No. Look at what these incompetent murderers Hamas did. I really don't know what I did to myself right there. I was totally fine. I was totally good. I started talking and everything, everything went to pot. I, I shouldn't say that Hamas, uh, Hamasis, right, because they are ISIS, uh, is, is totally incompetent. I mean, they do know how to murder and rape. Sadly, they've got that one uh, figured out. President Biden, as I said, will, uh, he will be uh, in Israel tomorrow. Meanwhile, you've got all of these schools, these colleges where these students are very happy with the resistance. Palestinians have every right to resist the way they are resisting, but no one has the right to tell them how to resist. Yes, but I would argue Israel does have the right to kill them. And all of them. In the way they see fit. You see, you don't have the you don't have the right to tell Israel how they kill Hamas. Again, none of these people None of these people are actually supporters of Palestine. They're supporters of dead Jews. Can't be said enough. Now, there's something else going on in, in, this, in this Israel conversation, which is where you see in, in, in America that the left uh, went soft on being able to recognize good versus evil. They can't actually recognize good versus evil. They refuse to discuss it. We discuss how Charles C.W. Cook uh, wrote about it in National Review. Uh, you've got Jonathan Greenblatt, who I'm not a fan of at all. I'm not a fan of the Anti-Defamation League. He has been hitting this right. What it is that we're seeing, this weakness from the political left, and it is unquestionably weakness that, that we're seeing. Academia totally silent or coming out with these mamby pamby weak commentaries like the first commentary from uh, IU president Pam Witten. I know she wrote a second one, but the first one was we abhor violence and here's phone numbers to, for, to help you if you're having any mental issues. I don't know how many people got with her before she had to write that Hamas is evil and Hamas is a terrorist organization and that Israel has the right to exist. She offered up no leadership 
to the students of IU. I'm going to remember that. I think donors should remember that. Maybe they're just fine with the secondary statement. I think the secondary statement says something very, very clear about the problem. The academics are either cowards or fine with what happened. Now, I want to say for the record, I think they're cowards. That's where I would lay, lay down my marker. That they are cowards and afraid to say to their students, well, you're wrong. Well, you're siding with murderers and we don't do that here at Indiana University. That's of course what should have been said. And then you've got this student over at Berkeley. She, she's wearing an Israeli flag and she's complaining to uh, one of the deans. Massacre, murder, terrorism. You said you heard us. What is more important than students feeling unsafe? I didn't say getting you have had the, the point is you have had 24 hours. That's and we've done less, we've done more in 24 hours than you have for your Jewish students in I don't know how many years, how many decades. Jewish students upset with the leadership at Cal Berkeley for not speaking out about the murder of Jews. Didn't you know that when you were going to Cal Berkeley? And you didn't because you believed that all the people on the left were on your side. You were a proud leftist and standing for this and standing for that. You didn't know that they hated you. Which means your parents didn't properly describe to you what was happening. And if I were you, I'd get out of Berkeley. It's a great opportunity for some schools to say, hey, you're welcome here. Uh, find everything at TonyCats.com.